vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. It has nothing to do with church. You notice. Nothing to do with going to church. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Why is that so important? To keep yourself unspotted from the world. I was listening to this or reading this story that this guy wrote about uh, his, a bunch of his people went to, to, um, I think it was in Jamaica. They have this waterfall that's a thousand feet tall and it's this, this stair step waterfall and this, this big challenge to walk up, to go up this waterfall, climb it. And the, the guy, the guide there tells the crew, the group when they go that you have to keep, hold hands with each other to make it all the way to the top. Cause it's not about the rocks. It's about the flow of the water. And so, and the guy was saying that the tendency is when you begin to slip and, and, and all those kind of things start happening, your tendency, your natural tendency is to let go of that person and try to reach and grab something for yourself. And he said, that's when you fall. And so the, the gist of the story that this guy's a, a minister and he took a group of people from his church there, but the, 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 the lesson that he got out of this was, is we need each other. And a lot of times the people that are right ahead of us, they know just a little bit more than we do, but they need us to be there in front of them because we're helping them make it to the top of that place. And so we, you know, we've got to be unspotted from the world. They're looking for something that's real in this religious world system that we are dealing with today, there's a lot of religion in the world. There's a lot of things that you can believe in. But people are, a lot of those things, you get into that and it just falls through your fingers like sand. But but they're looking, people are hungry. They're looking for something that's real, that's not going to slip through their fingers. That's something that's real that that's, that just sticks. I mean, how many of you were like that? You thought your religious experiences and your religious uh, exercises that you were doing before you found truth were, were good enough. I wasn't raised in this. I was raised in another way, and, and I thought it was good enough until I came to know the Lord and, and found out it wasn't good enough, that all I had was empty religion. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to continue in this lesson. So we're taking... Talking about pure religion and, and, and all of those things. And so we, as we hear the word of the Lord, it, it's not just enough for us to just hear it. Right? James said we gotta do it. We gotta exercise it because the widows, the fatherless, the orphans, the afflicted, are there people like that out there today in this city? Today? When we already talked about the fire. Imagine wake, waking up to your house on fire. Imagine one of you. I can't, having to contact the pastor, I can't make it to church. My house is on fire. How, how terrible would that be? And you're, you're having to stand there and watch all of your possessions go up in smoke. Right? And so we, we, we as the church, as the body, as the lighthouse in this world, we need to be there for those people. We don't need to be like the religious world. We need to stand out. We need to be different. We need to be what they expect, really. If you talk to, to people that don't know Pentecost and don't know this, if you just ask them, they'll, they're, they know. Oh, well, Pentecostals are supposed to act this way and they're supposed to do this and this and 
They're supposed to be different. So there's even an expectation in the world that they are expecting to find something different when they come into this place. So we have to be a witness of God's faithfulness. Has he been faithful in your life? You know, I... I didn't know anything about this when I came into this in 1989. It was all new to me. I didn't know the songs. I felt like a, a, an outsider standing there. I had, to, thankfully, they had overhead, not projector, but they had slides. I guess. <laughs> so, so thankfully, the Lord helped us to get kind of get on board and to learn that. And it's a it's a rough place to be in, but but there were people there in that church that loved us that sincerely truly loved us and it was that love that we felt it was that not just the religious exercise of going through the motions and having a service and doing all the things that we do as in a church service but it was the the affection and love that we felt from those people that made the difference and we heard that in that church over and over and over and over again out of the mouths of people. I don't know what it is about this, but we feel so much love here. And that's what drew people in. And that's what has to draw people in. First Samuel 15.22, Samuel says, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Who is he talking to? So, yeah. So, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's not just being obedient to to the rules and the regulations. Being obedient at the beginning of this, being obedient to the Word of God is letting that Word that got in me, it, it convicted me and it caused me to, to to challenge myself and say, wait a minute. What is What I have is it, it doesn't measure up. It doesn't match up with what this says. And so there came a day where my wife and I said, okay, we got to go down to the East China Sea. I don't know why, but we got to do this. And it made the difference. It made the difference. When we came out of that water, something changed. And so we had to obey. And that that obeying didn't stop there. We had to begin obeying, not rules and regulations, but we had to continue to obey that word, to begin to find ourselves to play, get ourselves to that place where we were walking unspotted from this world. And it, did it happen overnight? No. But God worked on us. Just like a child grows from a little toddler, infant, all the way up to a grown adult, it happens over a long span of time. And so we had to grow and mature in this. And James, James talks about this kind of religion in this Scripture that we read, he said, that man's religion is vain. It's vain. The complete word study Bible dictionary says that that word means empty, fruitless, aimless. It is building houses on sand. Anybody know that story? Chasing the wind. Shooting at stars. Good luck with that. Pursuing one's own shadow. Right? Have you ever seen a kid try to chase his own shadow? Right? And so that's what this, that's what he's saying. That's what James is telling the Jewish people. Because he's talking to the Jews. 
Because what were what was the one thing that that just drove those Jews nuts when Jesus walked on this earth? Their their religion, their 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 the what did he call it? The traditions of the fathers, the traditions of the elders, all those traditions, those Judaistic traditions that they had been practicing for so long that they really forgot about their real purpose and reason for being who they were. And so they had become religious, empty, chasing the wind. And they lorded it over people. They lorded it over their own people. They lorded it over the Gentiles. And they said, if you don't follow these rules, and they they gave Jesus all kinds of grief when his disciples were eating on the wrong day of the week. (laughs) And not only were they eating on the wrong day of the week, but they were eating with unwashing hands. God forbid that they were eating with unwashing hands. James 1, verse 19 and 20. If we could go to that on the overhead, please. James 1, 19 and 20. We're going to be in uh, number 6 on the sheet there. Praise God. I thank God for that booth person today. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. Next verse. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. In the complete word study, uh, in the, I'm sorry, the Amplified Bible, that's, that same scripture says this. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener. Slow to speak. Slow to take offense and to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God. And in the Message Bible, I like what this says. Post this at all the intersections. Dear friends, lead with your ears. Follow with your tongue. And let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. You know, stuff is going to happen in our life. God is going to allow things to happen in our life. He's going to allow a fire to happen in our life. He's going to allow things to happen, situations and circumstances, and we're just going to want to get so mad and so frustrated, and we're going to want to say, why me? Anybody been there? More than once? (laughs) More than a couple times? Why did this happen, God? And he's he's got us on a path. Every one of us is somewhere on that path. Some a little ahead, some a little behind it, but we're all on that path and we're all trying to find our way. Right? And so we're all going to go through some things. He said, Jesus told us that uh, he told us about the trying of our faith and he told us that, that trials and these all these things would come. So we can't really be surprised and we have to just learn to just have a peace about it and not get, you know, that's why this scripture says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Getting upset and getting mad about it's not going to make it any better. If you're in the middle of the trial, don't try to get out of it. If Paul couldn't get out of his, he couldn't pray his way out of it. God said, I heard you the first time, 
And no, I'm not taking that away. Because you need that. Because your my strength is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. And I'm going to be giving you some revelations and some things. And you need to be remain humble. So I have to ask myself. This is just me. I have to ask myself. If I'm going through a trial and a struggle and, and something, is there a reason that God's needing to humble me? Because the immediate thing in our flesh is we want to get upset. I thought I, God never promised us a rose garden, did he? But we think that sometimes. Well, I'm serving God now. Everything is just going to go smooth and just nothing's ever going to happen to me. Now all the bad stuff's behind me. Wrong. Not happening. <laughs> Amen. It says, let every man be swift to hear. That is, docile in receiving the word of truth. Sometimes God is going to speak things to you, whether it's through me, through this man of God, or through his word when you're reading it. He's going to speak some things to you that are not going to feel good. Because that's what his word is for. To me, is to convict, to help me to stay on the straight and narrow path. You know, the more word, I heard one preacher say it like this, the more, it's like a coffee filter, right? The more word you have in you, the tighter the weave is on your coffee filter. Because you need that. Why is that important? Because this filter This word that we put in us is like a filter. And when we hear things, when things come into our life, we have to filter it. We've got to learn to filter it through the Word of God and say, well, why is this happening? Or what, what, what did they just say? Wait a minute. You know, you kind of do a little math calculation in, in your spirit and you go, wait a minute, that doesn't line up. Right? And so we, we we testify to that within ourselves. Yeah, that does line up. Man, I just read that the other day. Isn't that amazing? God's having that preacher say that. And like like as if God doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Praise God. And so G- James was talking to these disciples, these these Jews, and he was saying that uh, in the Jefferson Fawcett and Brown commentary, it says uh, of the word slow to speak there in that verse, it says slow to speak or authoritatively as a master or teacher of others. He said, and it was a common, apparently a common Jewish fault. Why? We already talked about the Jews' religion that Jesus, you know, despised. And he, you know, Jesus didn't hate the Jewish religious people. You know that? He didn't hate them. He talked about them a lot. He called them, you know, whited sepulchers and all those things. But really, he loved them just as much as he loved blind Bartimaeus. He wanted to see them saved and delivered just like he wanted to see anybody else out there. The woman at the well. He he really wanted, why did he keep going to the synagogues? He was trying to reach them. And we know that he was. We know that he was. Why? Because there was a guy named Nicodemus that came to see him. Now, I don't know this, but I'd like to speculate and and say that Nicodemus was there on the day of Pentecost. Because he had heard all this stuff. 
And then there was another guy that was from Nicodemus' same, hung out with Nicodemus somewhere, right? He was the one that came and buried Jesus, right? So he, Jesus was reaching. He wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't neglect any group or any crowd because he said that, what? God's no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how bad you smell or how bad your life has been. I've, I've just heard too many testimonies in our, uh, in our ranks and among our people of, of whole gangs of, like the whole gang shows up on the front pew of a church because one gang member got one to the Lord and, and he got challenged if, if you're a real man, you'll come to this church and, and get a Bible and read it. That's what a real man would do because he was getting excoriated by somebody for, oh, real man, that, that's sissified reading the Bible. And the guy said, fine. You want to be a real man? Show up at the church with a Bible. And he did, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And the next service, if I got the story right, he had his whole crew with him. He went back and said, guys, I got something I got to show you. Right? So, can that happen here? Absolutely. 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 You know, we can't be afraid to go talk to these people. Yeah, they might look tough and rough on the outside, but they're, they're hurting. They're struggling. They're, they're, they're sad and sick and they're reaching out on the inside, but they don't want anybody to know that. I don't know why I'm saying all this. But in, J- in uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, it says, two ears were given us, as the rabbis observed, but only one tongue. He said, the ears are open and exposed. Never thought of this. The ears are out here. The tongue is hiding behind our teeth. Maybe God put that there for a reason. <laughs> As I heard one other missionary say, he put the tongue in a slippery place. We got to be careful because it likes to slip out of there a lot. And right, I used to, I used to hammer my two boys about. I used, to, I even made them wrote, write sentences and my, made them write the book of James. The tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. <laughs> when they would get mouthy with their mother. <laughs> it was like, they're going to me- memorize scripture and they're going to know that this is, I'm not just, this isn't just dad preaching. Here's why. You know, and now they're raising kids and they know. You know, I, I just turn around, walk away and laugh when I'm around them and their kids are like that. I <laughs> Wait to see what they're going to do. That's right. <laughs> Did they learn anything? <laughs> no, they're, those precious grandchildren are coming up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, you know, all because we made a decision in 1989 to listen to a preacher, to humble ourselves and go down to an East China Sea and let ourselves take a step of faith, not knowing all the things that we needed to know about it, just knowing enough that we needed it and look at, look at the result of that. And so we've got six grandchildren that are, as far as I know, serving the Lord and have no intentions of going anywhere. So God, God blesses our decisions. And it's just, a, it's a domino effect. So James is, is really trying to get to us to slow down and listen. You know, what did Jesus didn't just run in and start carrying on and talking with people. He, a lot of times he just went among the crowd and just listened. You know, if you listen to somebody long enough, they'll tell you all their problems. 
right? And I do customer service work at the VA, and I'll get a ticket to go fix a monitor or something, and I'll, I'm just sitting there fixing the monitor, and they'll start telling me their life story. It's like, okay, I don't have a therapy hat on, but I will. I'll do it. But I just think that that's God because I walk around that place praying, and I, I'm just praying God open the doors. I'm not forcing my way into anybody's life, but if, but he's going to put me around these people all day long every day. There's going to be somebody that's hurting, and I don't want to miss that opportunity because I, there's 1,300-plus people that work there. There's somebody in there that needs at least one, probably more than one, that needs Jesus. And so, and he tells us to be slow to wrath, slow in becoming heated by debate. Another Jewish fault, it says in Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, to which much speaking tends. One commentator thinks that not so much wrath is meant as the indignant feeling of fretfulness under the calamities for which the whole human life is exposed. You're going to go through some stuff. We've already emphasized that. And the, and the first tendency in our human nature is to get frustrated. Why am I going through this, God? And then we open our mouth and start saying stuff. And, you know, we got to be careful what we say because the devil hears it. And we don't want to give him fuel. But the devil can't read our mind. But God can. So some things need to just be said in here. We don't. We don't need to be... You know, words are powerful. God used the word to create. So what we say has creative and destructive power. Am I right? You can kill somebody with your words. You can commit murder without ever pulling out a weapon. And there are people today that are just living in hell literally because of words that were spoken to them when they were real little. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. Words have power. And so we got to be careful, especially those of us that stand in front of those of you. I, I'm constantly asking the Lord while I'm talking, are you sure you want me to say that? Am I supposed to say this? Because I don't want to say anything that doesn't edify and lift up. Whether it's you all or whether it's somebody at that hospital, I want to be sensitive and say what needs to be said, not just run my mouth. Amen? So Matthew Henry's concise commentary of the Bible in verse speaks of verse 19 through 21 there. and says, it puts it very succinctly. He says, instead of blaming God under our trials, let us open our ears and hearts to learn what he is trying to teach us. Is, do we ever get too old to learn lessons? Do we ever get to the place where we can say, I've arrived. I've, I'm just waiting for everybody else to get here. I'm glad I've had all the trials I need and that I'm ready to go. Right? Does that ever happen? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck if you believe that. That's right. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. It says, if men would govern their tongues, they must govern their passions. The worst thing we can bring to any dispute is anger. 
Now, Jesus said, be angry and sin not. Or was it Paul that said that? Well, the Word says that. Be angry and sin not. So it's not saying you can't be angry. Just don't let it get out of hand. Don't let your anger cause your mouth to do something or or your body to do something, your mouth to say something you're going to regret. You know, there's something to be said about counting to ten. Or maybe to a (laughs) hundred. That sounds funny, but, you know, before you open your mouth and insert your foot, right? Really. And that's not just when you're angry. That's in any situation. Sometimes it's better to just say nothing. You know? I just, this is just me. I believe that God didn't call pastors men to pastor and minister so that they could fix everything. Because that's not what he called them for. He called them to lead people into the truth. Because I'm not going to have all the answers. I'm sorry. I still get phone calls from my sons, and I don't ha- still don't have all the answers. I thank God they call me, but sometimes I don't have the answer. And the answer is pray about it, and I'll pray with you. And sometimes I know the answer, Sister Linda, but I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> what good would that do? I got to learn. They got to learn it for themselves, just like I do. For a man's anger, James 1 and 20 in Amplified says, for a man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God or his wishes or, or his what he requires. So what does it promote? What is what is anger outside of of God's righteousness? What who is it promoting? It's not promoting God. It's promoting us. How I feel, my feelings. What about me? Right. And then so when you start talking like that, whether you're saying it verbally or saying it inside, you have ceased to allow God to be in control of your life. I thought you said he was Lord of all. (laughs) Probably with the Lord thing, I thought you said I was Lord of all your life. You know, it's in him we live and move and have our being. That's what Paul said to those religious people that were worshiping that thing they didn't have a name for. He was trying to help them. If you want to know who that is you're worshiping, here, I'll tell you. And it's in him. It's in this God I'm telling you about that we live and move and have our being. So we, I'm not in control anymore. I don't, when I said Jesus take the wheel, I needed to leave it in his hands. And we get in more trouble when we try to put our hand back on the wheel. Have you ever been driving down the road and somebody else grabbed the wheel while you're driving? Try that. Don't. I'm just <laughs> But if you ever had somebody grab the wheel, you'd be like, you know, what are you doing? You're going to make us have a wreck, right? You don't want you don't want to do that. So just when you when we gave our life to him, that's it. We're done. We're not our own anymore. He bought us with a price. He paid the ultimate price. Praise God. Is this all right this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to make it. 
So in verse 21 it says, Wherefore lay apart, forsake, or get rid of all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. In the Amplified it says, So get rid of all the uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble and gentle and modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your soul. None of us saved ourselves. Really, honestly, we didn't even want to come to church the day we got saved. A lot of us were probably like, okay, fine. I'll go. Just because you said I got to go. Or you got to, just because my friend invited me or whatever. Right? So their motive wasn't even pure at the beginning. But they got into a service and God started dealing with them. That's all they needed. And God started talking to them about stuff down in here that nobody knew about. And that's when they knew it. this is real. And so he's telling us to just humbly receive these things. Don't, don't, we don't need any shovel ministry. What's shovel ministry? Shoveling it behind you and saying, that's not for me. That's for sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. Well, I'm glad the preacher's preaching that because they really needed it today. Right? And all the laughter in here, I'm thinking maybe some people might be feeling a little guilty. They may have done that before. I'm one. I'm, the, I'm chief among you. Not, not, not as much anymore, but I used to be real bad at that. Man, I'm glad you're preaching that, God. So... The God's Word translation of that verse says, So get rid of all immoral behavior and all wicked things you do. Humbly accept the Word that God has placed in you. This Word can save you. It's that simple. One day God planted a Word. Somebody planted something in your life. They they gave you a scripture. They, They said something to you, and it just stuck. And everywhere you went after that day, no matter where you went, no matter what billboard you looked at, that's all you thought about it seemed like. And you were like, man, I can't get that out of my head. It's like hearing a song and then you can't get it out of your head. It's like, and so you, that seed is working and we allowed that seed to take root. And that's all it takes. Right? Why fight against it? Right? Why settle for where you are? Just because we got in church by the word and we got saved by the word, does that mean we just kind of sit where we are? No. And if God loves us enough, he's not going to leave us where we are. He's going to take us a little step higher and a little step higher, a little little deeper. That scripture talks about how deep of a water do you want to be in? You want to be in ankle deep water? Are you satisfied with ankle deep water? Are you satisfied with knee deep water? Some people are. Some people want to stop right there. Are you satisfied with waist-deep water? How deep do you want to go? It depends on how deep you want to go, what you're going to do with your life. The more of yourself that dies and becomes less in control, the more of him can move in your life and take you to those depths and those levels. Amen? Praise God. Brother Wayne, if you would receive our adult discipleship Sunday school offering this morning. I just want to change up on the devil.
Lord, thank you for this offering today. Father, we bless you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to take a break until 1030, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to have probably one.